You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. On the Road with Mac and Molly is brought to you by Dog.com. For everything and anything dog, shop Dog.com today for all the top brands. Greenies, Frontline, Kong, Nylabone, Royal Canin, and more. Shop at Dog.com and use the promo code SADMOLLY, S-A-D-M-O-L-L-Y, and get $15 off your order of $75 or more. Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson, speaking to you from sun-drenched Kissimmee, Florida. Today, while I'm basking in 70-degree-plus temperatures, I'll be looking back with you to a recent snowy day's visit to Dog Mountain in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. On a 150-acre site in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, internationally known artist and author Stephen Hunick and his wife Gwen built what has become one of the most unique tourist destinations in New England, the Dog Chapel. I'll take you there in just a few moments. We'll tour the chapel, romp with Mac and Molly on the hillside, take a peek at what's on offer in Hunick's adjacent art gallery, and wrap it all up in an interview with Gwen Hunick. All that when we return from these messages. Sit, stay, we'll be right back after this pause. Sit, stay, we'll be right back after a short pause. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. Enter the code LUCKY10, L-U-C-K-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. There's a movement afoot, ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code ROAD, R-O-A-D, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available having a rough day longing for the dog days of summer think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life well find out everything you're begging to know as pet life radio presents it's a doggy dog world with pet expert and award-winning author liz palaika every dog has his day and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Well, it's another frigid day in upstate New York, and Jean and I have decided to make the three-hour trek in the middle of a pretty serious snowstorm to St. Johnsbury, Vermont, where we'll be looking to visit Dog Mountain, the Stephen Hunick Gallery, and the Dog Chapel. We've bundled ourselves up and packed up the truck. Mac and Molly have lumbered up the ramp into the rear cab, and we're on our way. Over the bridge, over Lake Champlain, and we're into Vermont. And Vermont is really, really very, very Vermonty in the winter. Irving Berlin, via Rosemary Clooney, Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, and Vera Ellen got it just right in the song Snow. The four, though, truth be told, Trudy Stevens actually dubbed the voice for Vera Ellen, crooned the tune on board a train from Florida as they were en route to Vermont in the much-cherished movie White Christmas. Snow. It won't be long before we'll all be there with snow. Snow, I want to wash my hands, my face, my hair with snow. Those glistening houses that seem to be built of snow. Snow, oh, to see a mountain covered with a quilt of snow. I'll soon be there with snow. I'll wash my hair with snow. And with a spade of snow, I'll build a man that's made of snow. Snow. All around us, on the ground, on the road, on the trees, on every building, and falling steadily from the sky, snow. We take a break mid-trip to visit Vermont's capital, Montpelier, most delightful place, with a most delightful visitor center host who pointed us to the perfect place for lunch, La Brioche, a restaurant run by the New England Culinary Institute. Then, we're back on the road again for another hour. And then finally, in St. Johnsbury, which National Geographic's Adventure Magazine once dubbed the number one small town for adventure. St. Jay, as it's known to residents, is the hub of Vermont's rural, forested Northeast Kingdom. And just past the main drag, right about when we thought we must have passed it, we notice on the left side of the road, Hunick's carving called Lady Dog Walker, the signpost indicating the way to Dog Mountain. You can see Jean's photograph of her on our Pet Life Radio blog page. Well, we meander up a winding drive and catch sight of the Dog Chapel, which Hunick styled in the manner of a 19th century village church. In Hunick's book about the structure, Stephen noted that he intended this to be a place for the celebration of the spiritual bond folks have with their dogs, a place that would be open to all dogs and to people of any faith or belief system. Hunick had great affection for the five canines who shared his life, Sally, Heidi, and Artie, his labs, Dottie, the Dalmatian, and Molly, a golden retriever. I do resonate with the artist's desire to honor the human pet bond, and I love his whimsical renderings of life with canine friends. Most everyone listening today has probably seen Hunick's very distinctive artwork. Perhaps you've been amused by his two black labs playing tug-of-war with a rope and read the words beneath, love is give and take. Or you've seen his rendering of a lab sniffing the butt of another lab and seen the words beneath, greetings. Or again, the dog in the water paddling after a little red orb, life is a ball. His hand-carved furniture and sculpture and his woodcut prints are found in many museum collections. 
including the White House collection of the Smithsonian Institution, the American Kennel Club Library, and the Museum of Folk Art. His clay prints and various other items featuring his designs are found in gift shops around the world, as are his books, including My Dog's Brain, Sally Goes to the Beach, and Sally Goes to the Mountains. Boston Magazine once likened his artwork to laughter, proclaiming it enriching to life and uplifting to the soul. It is most ironically sad, then, to note that Hunick, despairing over the downturn in the economy and the effect it might have on Dog Mountain, took his own life about a year ago. The New York Times, in memorializing him, observed that he'd achieved a level of success that comes to few outsider artists. Even after his death, his work continues to be sought after by collectors, is exhibited widely, and is featured often in the news media. Today, the entrance to the Dog Chapel is a hall of remembrance for him. The walls of the chapel itself are covered with memorials to beloved pets. At the back of his Dog Chapel book, Hunick included a paper frame to be used in posting pet photographs on these remembrance walls. Along with dogs, cats, birds, horses, and ferrets are also memorialized here. In the preface to the book, The Dog Chapel, Hunick explained how the chapel came to be. He wrote, Several years ago, I became seriously ill. On the way to my studio, my arms full of the day's work, I slipped and went crashing down the stairs. I broke a couple of ribs and, without warning, fell victim to adult respiratory distress syndrome. In a coma for two months, I was given little chance of survival by my doctors. Hunick's breathing actually stopped for five minutes, and he had what he believed to be a near-death experience. When he emerged from the coma, he had to learn to walk again, and he had to devote himself to regaining use of the muscles throughout his body. Then one day, during his period of recovery, the idea for the chapel popped into his mind. He envisioned building the chapel on Dog Mountain, his and his wife Gwen's mountaintop farm. He imagined a white steeple pointing to the heavens, topped by a golden lamb with wings. He began construction in 1997 and saw it to completion in 1999. His artwork is everywhere in the chapel, in the stained glass windows that celebrate the love, joy, friendship, play, trust, faith, and peace he saw evidenced in his canine companions. His designs are seen in the hooked rugs that decorate the floors and in the pews, the ends of which boast his delightful carvings of dogs. Dogs and their humans are invited to enjoy the space together and can then run free on the leash-law-free surrounding trails or on the agility course. On the day of our visit, at least a dozen dogs, including our own, romped with what looked like something exceeding joyful abandon as the snow was lightly falling on the already snow-covered, very steep incline. It was a bit of tough going, I must say, for the bipeds, but no problem at all for the quadrupeds. A gallery featuring Stephen's books, woodcut prints, sculptures, handmade furniture, other Hunick design items from dog neckerchiefs to bowls, note cards, mugs and rugs, sits a few yards from the chapel. Jill Brown, who works in sales at Dog Mountain, acknowledges that it has been a difficult year since Hunick's passing. The folks here are no longer producing their popular maple signs, and with Stephen gone, of course, nothing new is being developed. While cleaning her husband's studio, however, Gwen did find some pieces Stephen had created that no one other than he had ever seen. 
and these will soon be introduced. She'll tell us about these finds in the second half of the show. Three dog parties will also be held this year, one on the Sunday before Memorial Day, one on the first Sunday of August, and one on the Sunday of Columbus Day weekend. Jill says these days offer a good excuse for dog people to gather. Several hundred dogs and their humans usually attend these events, where there's a barbecue, a snack spread, and dog competitions. It's fun, Jill says, a sight to be seen. The Stephen Hunick Gallery and Dog Chapel are open seven days a week year-round. There are some differences in the summer and winter hours, so you might want to call ahead before you visit. More information and directions are available at dogmt.com. Well, let's take a break. When we return, we'll visit with Gwen Hunick. So again, stay put. We'll be right back after these messages. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash road R-O-A-D to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Celebrate your special occasion and give her this classic semi-eternity band created with one-carat brilliant diamonds channel set in 14-carat white gold. Exclusively yours from ICE.com. Free shipping over $150, free returns, and 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to ICE.com and use promo code ACTFP and get 20% off your purchase. Or use promo code ADTFP and get 20% off at Diamond.com. ICE.com or Diamond.com. Get 20% off from Pet Life Radio. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
Well, we're back and delighted to have with us now Gwen Hunick, who lived and worked with her husband, Stephen, at Dog Mountain in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. Welcome, Gwen, and thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for calling. (laughs) Okay. Well, I thought we might begin our time together by perhaps reviewing a little bit of your history, and most especially how and when you came to live in St. Johnsbury, and how you came to acquire what became Dog Mountain. Well, Stephen and I met in art college in Boston, and he had lived in Vermont before and really encouraged me to move to Vermont with him. And um, actually, we ended up in St. Johnsbury. We restored an old house in Lindenville, and Stephen quite loved the experience and said, let's do that again. And we looked in the local paper, and we found a tiny little classified ad for a post and beam house for $9,000. So we went over to see it, and it was an 18th century house with a beautiful view, but completely dilapidated, you know, unlivable. (laughs) Uh Real project. Stephen, you know, he had vision, so he could see the, the finish, the end product, but people thought we were crazy, frankly, you know. And, uh, but he spent several years restoring it, and it's still the home I live in, and it's absolutely gorgeous, if I say so myself. Mm. Stephen said, oh, that was fun. Let's do it again. And I said, no way. <laughs> I like this house. Uh-huh. Um, and Stephen needed, uh, even though he had, had a beautiful um, studio on the property, it looks like a barn, but it's actually a studio, he, when he started doing woodcuts, he needed even more studio space. And we were thinking of renting, you know, a building or something. And then uh, this farm down the street came on the market, which had been owned by a bachelor farmer, and he had no heirs. And um, we thought, well, that would be perfect. It had a great big barn and 150 acres and plenty of space. So uh, that's how we ended up at having Dog Mountain. And when was this? In uh, 1995. Initially, it was just... To have a studio. And then Stephen got the inspiration to build a dog chapel, which is kind of an unusual concept, but as an artist, <laughs> yes, it was. Right. You know, when he got inspired, he was very, very determined. Mm-hmm. So, now you had said, uh, sir. Yeah. I'm sorry? No, I was going to say, you said that you met in art school, yes? Right, right. And so did he immediately move into a career as an artist? And uh, maybe you could speak a little bit about your own artwork as well. Well, I'm not um, really an artist, but I was getting training to be an art teacher. But I mm-hmm. love art, and I love Stephen's art, and we always worked very closely together. But when we graduated from college, the idea of being an artist you know, seemed kind of grandiose. It's like saying, I want to be a movie star or something. <laughs> So uh-huh. what we initially did, we worked as, uh, a- we had an antique furniture business, and Stephen was what they call a picker, which means he drove around and would knock on doors and ask farmers, you know, do you have any old furniture you would like to sell? And uh, at that time, this was, you know, 30 years ago, there were a, a lot of um, farmers that wanted to sell their old furniture. So, and it was quite an education, I mean... We loved it because we met so many nice people, and especially older people were anxious to share how they did things, um, like Stephen learned blacksmithing and 
vinegar, paint decorating, all these things from that are now sort of disappearing uh, by being an antique dealer. And he was always fascinated with antique wood carvings. Of, um, and he would always pick them up if he saw any, like, folk art carvings. But he had never tried carving himself. He just Something about it really drew uh, him in. And so one day we were snowed in, sort of like this time of year, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. leave our house. And Stephen decided, well, you know, I'm going to try carving. And it had a nice piece of wood from a building. He, t- he had some chisels from yard sales that he'd picked up. And he did his very first carving and it was a carving of an angel standing man with angel wings and it was about probably about two feet tall and that was his very first carving and he had it in the back of his pickup truck with some antiques and things and a man from New York happened by and was going through his truck and Stephen came up and was a little indignant you know what are you doing and the man said, I'd like to buy that angel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Stephen said, well, <laughs> it's a thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Stephen was floored at that. And uh, that man, I mean, it was so fortuitous, that man took it to a gallery in on Madison Avenue named Jay Johnson's. And uh, Jay called up Stephen and said, you know, I'd love this angel. I would like to represent you you know, please bring down some work. And Stephen was, like, hesitant because he didn't want to tell the guy that that was the first thing he ever carved. So he hesitated a little bit, and then he said, okay, well, I'll see you in six weeks. (laughs) And for the next six weeks, he carved 20 hours a day trying to get together a a body of work, which he did, and I remember us loading it into the back of our beat-up old pickup truck and driving down to New York City, hoping that we wouldn't break down on the way. And we pulled up this very fancy part of Madison Avenue, you know, with this beat-up pickup truck filled with carvings. And that was sort of the start of his career. It was, uh, it was like a miracle. And when we got back to Vermont, uh, the dealer called us up and said, you know, we sold this carving you made for $10,000 and Stephen was like static and that was really the beginning of his career which is something he always wanted to do but he didn't really think it was realistic turned out to be very realistic didn't it <laughs> yeah and what, what do you think is the appeal of his artwork well I think it's because even though Stephen studied art what he did with the carving and the woodcuts and things were all self-taught and I think they're very genuine and sincere, and people feel that sincerity, and they feel that love that comes through. And there's a, there's a playfulness, and there's mm-hmm. a childlike quality to it that is, is just very appealing. And mm-hmm. when you see his work, you recognize it as his, because he has his, his own style. There's no other artist that I can think of that looks like his work. Mm-hmm. Are there the most popular, are there some pieces that are most popular, the best-selling pieces over the years? And I'm wondering also if you might have some of your own favorites. Well, I think one of the most popular and one of my personal favorites is a 
woodcut print he did called Love is Give and Take. Mm-hmm. And it shows two dogs playing tug of war with a rope. The theme really is, you know, that uh, with any relationship, you've got to give and you've got to take. And you have to have that back and forth. And it's a nursery gifts and any kind of gift that you're going to give to a, a couple. But it's, you know, there's great words to live by. And that's, Stephen liked to have messages in his art, but, but very subtly, you know, he didn't hitch over the head with it. And that's one of my, my personal favorites. How did he come to uh, start writing books as well? Because I know you have the Giclée prints that are available, the woodcuts, and, uh, right. and then his carvings. And, and then he also moved into the whole realm of, uh, of the writing books. Yes, and that's interesting because Stephen never really thought of himself as a writer, because um, as a child, he was dyslexic, so he had a lot of problems in school. And then uh, what happened is when he started doing woodcut prints, and he did one called My Dog's Brain, with all the sections, all the things dogs think about, someone said to him, well, that would make a good book. And that was the impetus for doing his first book, which was called My Dog's Brain. And then he went on to write 10 more books, some for children and some for adults. And the interesting thing is uh, his dyslexia, he works through it somehow. I don't know how, how that happens, but it, it happened with him. He began to be very comfortable with writing, and uh, he wrote quite a bit. And his children's books are based on a black lab, Sally, that we had. And Stephen was able to put himself in the mindset of a child very easily. He didn't think, well, what would a child like? He just sort of wrote from (laughs) his heart. It came out, you know, they're simple, but they're life-affirming, and they're fun, and they're funny, and they're colorful. So children love them, and adults love them, and they have to read them over and over again, so it's a good thing. (laughs) Well, maybe you could, I would hope, just tell us a little bit about life on Dog Mountain, and most especially uh, with the dogs and the other animals who had shared your life over the years, and and maybe a little bit about how those companions may have served as inspiration for and uh, and subject of Stephen's art. You've begun to touch on that, but uh, perhaps you could could elaborate even a, a little more. Okay. Stephen mm-hmm. called this place Dog Mountain because the focus is dogs. And it's, it has the dog chapel, which he built. And then he also made it to be a, like a playground for dogs where they can come and be off leash. And we have hiking trails and we have ponds and we always have lots of dog treats around. And, and one thing that's great to watch is we have dogs that come from all over the country that don't know each other. And we always suggest to people to take them off leash because we have a lot of land here. And they all just get along so great. I mean, it's really heartwarming to see. I mean, dogs that don't, meeting each other for the first time, you know, they sniff and say hello, greetings, Stephen would call it. And then um, they go off and play. And, I, you know, I think us humans could learn a lot just from watching <laughs> how dogs are just so happy to see us, happy to see other dogs and love to play and live in the moment and love nature. and That's a big component of Dog Mountain is we've kept it very natural. In the woods, there are moose and deer and bear and foxes and things like that, but they don't bother us. We don't bother them and they don't bother us. And then three times a year in the summer, 
we've been doing this for about 10 years now, we have what are called dog parties. And we mm-hmm. invite everybody to bring their dog, and they keep on growing and growing. They probably have about 500 dogs here at once. Oh, my goodness. My husband and I had been up there not too long ago, and uh, Jill, who works for you, had told us and began to tell us about the dog parties. And uh-huh. uh, I can attest to the joyful abandon with which our two old English sheepdogs romped over those hills. And uh, there must have been at least another dozen dogs who were there and, and just enjoying the day. And it was wonderful to be able to see them off leash and just, uh, just enjoying that space. It was, uh, it was a lovely, lovely day. Well, thank you, and that's really the spirit that mm-hmm. Stephen wanted Dog Mountain to have, and uh, I, he succeeded with that. And mm-hmm. the, the chapel, uh, you know, a component of the chapel is, of course, the remembrance walls, and that's where people put up photographs and poems and paragraphs about what their dog that has the dog that they have lost, or a cat, or any other animal they loved, um, what that animal meant to them and that's that's one component of dog mountain Stephen wanted there to be a place where we honored our animals but the other component is he just wanted to have a place where animals could have fun you know he just wanted it to be about fun and playing and being in nature and letting your guard down and being childlike and all these very positive emotions I know that uh, that Stephen took his life about a year ago, and I wonder if you could just say a little bit about how you've perhaps managed in the in the months that have followed, and and uh, you know what you believe might be the the future for Dog Mountain. You know, obviously it was devastating for me. The hardest part for me is that because it was very much connected to the economy. You know, when we had the Great Recession. We tried to keep everything going, and eventually we, we ran out of money. And so, I mean, it's so sad for me to think that he felt um, so depressed just because of money. But another thing that I've come to realize is that Stephen, you know, Dog Mountain was so important to him, and his love for me was so important to him, mm-hmm. that, and he was a very perceptive person. I've come to believe that he thought that by committing suicide, that he would actually, that was the only way he could save Dog Mountain. What happened, Donna, after people heard that he had committed suicide, because, you know, with the recession, people weren't buying anything, um, is that what happened is we were just absolutely flooded with web orders. And, you know, although it didn't... Mm -hmm take the pain away. It still doesn't take the pain away. Uh, it did at least, you know, give me some sort of financial security where I knew I had, I could keep my home. I knew I could keep Dog Mountain going. And so in a sense, I see it as his way of giving me a gift. It was the only <laughs> way he could see to do it. So although I'm very sad, I don't feel at all, you know, angry or bitter or anything of that nature because I really, you know, I really feel that he did it out of love. Uh, strange mm-hmm. as that may sound, mm-hmm. I believe that. And um, there's just been an outpouring of love from people. Just, you know, this has sort of made them realize how much Stephen's art means to them mm-hmm. and how much Stephen's art has 
helped them through the years and how much Dog Mountain means to them. And they all sort of rallied around me and made mm-hmm. sure that it, it can keep on going. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely determined to keep it going because it's, it's such a special place and it's, mm-hmm. it's what Stephen would have wanted. So I'm going to. There's no question about it. <laughs> Good. And just I, I noticed, too, that in the chapel, he, he is uh, celebrated, and there are just notes of appreciation from people, probably from all over the world, that cover the walls of the entryway to that building. So, uh, you know, even there in that, the appreciation again for him. I took the idea of the remembrance wall, which is meant for animals, frankly, but I mm-hmm. thought it would be nice to just take a section of the chapel and have it be a remembrance wall for Stephen, because he's the mm-hmm. one who created the chapel. And it is touching to see, you know, all the love people feel for him and still feel for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you know, makes me feel close just to be able to see his picture and to be surrounded with his artwork. And I, I understand that in uh, cleaning out his studio, you found some previously unseen work of his. And uh, just wondering what you did find and what plans you may have for the release of those pieces. Stephen was such a prolific artist. I mean, he just sort of went from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. I mean, it was sort of astounding how prolific he was. So sometimes, you know, he'd do something and then just sort of stick it away in a drawer and forget about it. And I've just recently, you know, gotten up the courage to start going through his studio, and I found some wonderful early watercolors he did of, and they're all of angels reuniting Mm. in heaven, which I find very interesting that even 30 years ago, this sort of idea was, you know, very prominent in his consciousness, and then I, I also found some wonderful crayons, and I'm just continually... Uh, finding pieces, and we're beginning to exhibit them here in the in the gallery, um, and we're having a show in the summer of his work, and I'll exhibit it there. Uh, so, so gradually we're introducing them to the public because they're very special. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but you know, I have to. It's intriguing to me that Stephen always felt this affinity for angels and heaven and um, in light of of him committing suicide you know I have to think that he believed that he and I and all our dogs you know at some point would be reunited in heaven and even uh, maybe you might just say what's on top of the spire on top of the chapel right and that's probably the thing that Stephen's most well known for I would say is he carved a life-size sculpture of one of our dogs with angel wings and it's a angel lab flying to the heavens and it's it's really beautiful and he's done all different breeds of of dogs and cats and different animals with angel wings I think in probably in so many ways the uh, the animals that are part of our lives the you know our dogs our cats and you know folks have such a, a range of creatures um, with which they they relate and you know and sometimes they do just seem uh, heaven sent and uh, and angels in our lives don't they right and that's the way I, I look at his angels is they're not necessarily 
dogs or cats that have passed away. It's like when they're in our lives, mm-hmm. they're like our guardian angels, and they're, you know, they just mm-hmm. bring so much love and comfort and joy to us. They are, there are angels on earth. They teach us so much about really, oh. you know, as you had said earlier on about really, it would be so much nicer if we showed that kind of unconditional love to one another, wouldn't it? You know, I think if, if everybody acted more like dogs, we'd all be better off, really, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, and on that, uh, on that note, I think that's just a perfect place to draw to a close our time together. And thank you so much for uh, being just so open and honest in, uh, in this time with us. We're, we're just very grateful to you, Glenn. Thank you, and I'd like to invite everybody to come and visit us in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, at Dog Mountain, because we are open year-round, or visit us online at, at dogmp.com. Wonderful. Okay. Well, and thank you also to all the folks who are listening today. I uh, hope that you will come along with us next time as we head to Forever Florida in St. Cloud, where we'll explore the eco safaris on offer at that 4,700-acre eco ranch and wildlife conservation area. So we're off on the road with Mac and Molly. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.